Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And this is Side Note podcast where every episode we tell stories about and then debate a controversial topic and then we research and splice in all the mind-blowing shiznit throughout so you are entertained while simultaneously learning today we are talking about vaccines it is going to be hosted this podcast by myself greg and rachel and we're going to start with some stories about our experiences with getting vaccinated and rachel's short time as an (laughs) anti-vaxxer we'll get into the details in story time and then we are going to go off and talk about how we deal with the fact that measles is back. And as science communicators, what can we do to try and stop spreading this epidemic that is vaccine hesitancy? Hey, Rachel. Welcome to the hot seat. Hello. Hey, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. It's fun to do this. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. And we aren't filming this for the YouTube channel, we just said, which is great because we can both pick our nose. We can both pick our nose. We can both sweat. <laughs> We're nose pickers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. We can both sweat. Red faces. We have red faces right yep, now. Yep. Yep. It's very warm in here. But you're good? I'm good. I'm actually really in a good mood because this morning there were, I saw buds on a tree. <gasps> Spring is here. Here. Spring is here. April showers bring May flowers. It's neither of those months. I don't know no. why I brought March, that up. But March, March is gr- like March is like that in between time where it could be a full blizzard or like people are wearing shorts. Yeah, so yeah. Who I know. knows? I know. And in Canada, it's like insane what we did. Like everyone's like, I'm gonna go for a run, and it's just like everyone's <laughs> still slipping on ice. <laughs> How are you doing? Good. I went to the Robin concert last night for the second Ooh. time uh, because I'm a spoiled little brat, and it was awesome. Got to be with my guys and my girls, gays and girls. Perfect. <laughs> and as a, every single person there uh, was gay uh, or a girl. No straight man except the person who did the lighting. I think. I think he was straight. And did he have the best view though? Oh yeah, there was the oh yeah, there was a guy who was filming the thing for like the screen that projects, uh-huh. and he was just standing there, such a bruh, and he <laughs> just was standing above all of us, just like taking it. And I was like, I would film this if I got to stand <laughs> on a pedestal and watch Robin, but he, he seemed nonplussed. Is that a word? Wasted on him. Wasted on him. I'm sure he was sober. Okay. Comment This week's comment is from Esto Pesto at Stella Bear 92. Hello, Stella Bear. This is uh, actually a comment about uh, vaccines, which we're talking about today, because last week Mitch had brought up a study, you know, a huge study explaining how I think it was like 625,000 kids that they studied and said, of course, there is no link between vaccines 
vaccines and autism, and there's no toxic chemicals in vaccines. Right. And so this is the comment that someone wrote. They said, anyone who knows me knows how I feel about anti-vaxxers. The thing that gets me about the studies about the MMR and the MMRV vaccines and autism is the ableism being almost encouraged by them, which you responded back even. And we're like, this is an interesting way to look at this because it's true. It's like. Yeah, like everyone's always talking about like autism in this way as like, you know, being like this awful thing right. or this like, you know, you how could you ever want that for your child? And there's lots of people out there dealing with this who now have to like, you know, it, 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 it adds shame and stigma yeah. around something. You never want to be anyone's worst case scenario. And that really dehumanizes those people who have autism and the families who of people have autism. So, yeah, thank you so much for bringing attention to that. That's such a good point. Yeah. And on both sides of this argument, it's something that we're going to be talking about today. It's just like I had never actually really thought about it. So insight on the hashtag side note podcast aspect of Twitter might want to be checking that out. Oh, what did we learn this week? Okay, Rachel, do you want to go first this week? What did you learn? Sure. So my what did you learn this week doesn't have to do with vaccines, but actually has to do with flossing. Uh, do you floss, Greg? Uh, the dance move? Of course I do, because I've babysat before. And to the hip. And to the hip. I actually can floss the dance move. I'm sorry. I'm totally off the actual concept of flossing. I can floss at a wedding super well. I don't know. I like. I just want anyone out there who's like a kid or who's interested in flossing to yeah. know that like not only can I do it, but I can do it to the beat right. of a song. And I can double time to the beat of the song so that I actually look I don't know, amazing, some might say. So, yes, I floss. But when it comes to the, like, little skinny thing I put in between my teeth, I also do that. Okay. Like, once a week, Mitch does it twice a day. Anyways, it's just like whenever I look at Mitch, I'm like, oh, shoot, flossing. So I do it more than normally. Okay, so you and I are the same. I learned how to floss the dance probably this year, probably a little too late to learn it. Okay, embarrassing. I literally knew it four years ago. I can't believe you said that out loud. Anyways, continue. And I, too, will go on spells where I'm flossing every day, and then it'll be like a once a week kind of thing. But I am committed to um, being more of a regular flosser, even though that 2016 article came out where it's like flossing is not important. But that has been kind of debunked it's just like if you are flossing at a high quality okay, getting i cannot around. stop get around the fact that like we're having this serious conversation of like remember 2016 when it was scientifically proven that the dance move flossing was not helpful <laughs> <laughs> but no okay so you're talking about thread in teeth yeah thread in teeth okay thread in teeth thread in teeth. teeth that like it wasn't actually good for gum health and that it wasn't removing plaque but that's kind of been like debunked um a little bit but like if you're doing it kind of half-assed then it won't be helpful anyway so what i'm interested in is okay so floss is like even though people aren't always doing it it's still a two billion dollar industry so like so people are buying so much floss each year and in north america they calculated it out to being like three million miles of dental oh, floss. oh my god not wild that would go around the earth like a hundred times or more oh my god of dental floss ew that like <laughs> makes me feel gross <laughs> and for most people you know what it's probably sitting in their cupboard not being, not used. being used yeah yeah but for people who are using it it's not recyclable it's not biodegradable so it has three routes it can take it can go in your garbage and it ends up in a landfill a lot of communities especially in europe they incinerate their trash so it can do that or it can escape from incineration or landfill and then end up flying through the environment and in your butt crack i just feel like oh my god 
<laughs> I've, I've had floss in my butt crack once. How? I actually don't know, but I remember we, it was. I was like, remember how you get like there's like long like people's hairs. Yeah. Once it was a floss. Anyways, I don't. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Anyway. But where do these like? Where's the third option go? The third option is it. It escapes those systems. It um, ends up in the environment, and uh-huh. then you know all rivers flow to the sea, and then and, eventually yeah. it's in the water. Worst case scenario, around a turtle's leg. Okay. Okay. Oh my god. So straws. <laughs> If you're using a metal straw, maybe you should what? Not floss. Okay, so I'm not. What I'm not saying is like not to floss, but like I'm thinking. I've been thinking a lot about my plastic waste, yeah. and I'm like, okay, so like obviously dental floss isn't like the number one concern, but it is this thing that is like a, it's a nylon string, it's covered in like petroleum wax. It uh, won't break down, so it will just like break apart. Unlike like you know uh, fibers like our hair, they'll break down. So there are some people who are using silk threads instead to floss, and those will break down over time when you throw them out because spider silk is like. <laughs> Wait, are you? They're using spider silk. <laughs> yeah, so it's like. Uh, Five times stronger than steel by weight. No, I knew that, but I'm like, are you telling me that people are using spider silk to floss? People are using silk to floss. Oh, yeah. silk. Okay, yeah. okay. But then, and because it'll, it's not plastic and it will like yeah. degrade properly. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Which is like the most bougie. I know. Like, I'm like, yeah. Care. Okay, that's like kind of. <laughs> I just want. I'm like in the camp of like, let's just stop flossing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> We already, I feel like everyone's just buying floss and not using it. Right. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, let's just not buy the floss. But anyways, okay. I'm into the silk. I'm into the silk. Okay. The so, silk. But there's like um, other fibers too that are like cellulose based. But people are making like these alternatives cool. to floss. Yeah. So what I learned this week is more in line with us now getting into what we're talking about today, which is vaccines. And it's that Pinterest has become the first, plat- I guess, kind of like big platform that is now taking, if you search vaccination anti-vaccination or anything on their platform, nothing will come up because there was so much misinformation on Pinterest, which it says here, like 250 million monthly users. And the stats of people who use Pinterest is really interesting. They're like predominantly parents. Yeah. Like, like it's a lot. There's a stereotype of being about it being mostly women. It's like 35 percent men. So it's like there's still a lot of men on there. I just don't want it to be like it's just like moms. But yeah. it's a it's a weird demographic. It's not a young demographic like a lot of other social media platforms. But because there was so much misinformation about vaccinations, the actual company was like, okay, we are going to not allow you to search anything to do with vaccinations while we figure out how to, like, use our algorithm to properly, like, curb this this issue. So it's kind of interesting. I think from us, what we're going to talk about today is a lot about, like, the science communication aspect of, like, vaccinations and, like, how do we move forward in this world right now? And I think that that's an amazing example of, like, a company, like, being like, okay, this is creating an issue. We need to actually do this harsh thing to start while we figure out what to do. But I think it's, like, I don't know. I think it's pretty interesting. YouTube right now says that they'll demonetize anti-vaccination videos. But in my head, I'm like, okay, that doesn't – who like – that's not stopping it. That's not right. stopping someone from watching it just because that person isn't getting money for it, for right. it. So I'm like, here I am calling out YouTube being like, I don't know. I think that there, as we get further into this, it's interesting to know that Pinterest has in fact done that. You could Google or Google. <laughs> that shows you how <laughs> ubiquitous is that term. You could Pinterest the word vaccine. I, I have not used Pinterest. I have not. I'm not a parent. I have not used Pinterest. But you can't type vaccination onto Pinterest as of this week. Well, wow, I really admire that. As a crafter yeah, okay. who does sometimes Pinterest, um, yeah, I love that they are leading that. 
That's really, really cool. Um, so into your calling yourself a crafter. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, I'm proudly a crafter. Oh, God. Can I say I'm a crafter? Even though. I... <laughs> okay, so here's my last thing about being <laughs> not a crafter. As a gay, I worked at a camp. I'm super good at kayaking, like not yeah. to like like brag, but like literally I could paddle like like there's a wake behind you could freaking what's the word? Water ski behind me in a kayak. <laughs> All right. So so good at kayaking, so good at canoeing. I get hired at this camp and they're like, Greg, you're the head of arts and crafts. I'm like, okay, that's fully homophobic. I've literally never <laughs> made a craft in my life. Like they just like assumed I'd be good at it. And I I was so – I spent a whole summer teaching kids how to make – like, they were just burning themselves left, right, and center. I don't oh, have a crafting bone no. in my body. I know, but I wish I did. My point is that I did craft for two months. <laughs> Can I call myself a crafter? No. <laughs> okay, moving on. Story time. Story time. Story time. Story time. Okay, we are going to start with some stories about vaccines. Rach, you go first. Let me know. How would it go with the needles? <laughs> okay, so I have two – vaccine stories. Um, so my first one happens in grade two when I had whooping cough. <gasps> you had? I did. Are you, were you vaccinated? So I called my mom to ask her. I'm like, ring, 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 ring. Uh, was I vaccinated for whooping cough? She said, yes, you were. You did get vaccinated for that. And you still got it. It's extremely contagious. But I didn't get it to the high degree that it can be. So the vaccine prevented it from being worse. Yes, Okay, absolutely. good. Imagine this turned yeah. into you being like, yeah, well, it wasn't. Vaccines <laughs> don't work. Yeah, that's, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> so you were vaccinated for whooping cough, but you still got it. I it wasn't as it. bad. <gasps> Do you yeah. remember it? Was it like, <clears throat> like I, what? Yeah. Okay, so um, I remember it being that I sounded like a seal barking. <gasps> like, oh, oh, oh. I cannot believe you had whooping cough. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I did. So um, <laughs> I, so at first, so another name for it is uh, pertussis, and it's a bacterium, like, found in your mouth. And at first it just is, like, has symptoms, like, uh, cold. But then the, the whoop can last for, like, a month to two months. And um, so I'm back at school. I'm out on the playground. And then my mom gets a call. And it's like... <laughs> your kid's whooping. <laughs> your kid. Like, the teacher's like, we're really concerned about Rachel. Like, she is coughing so much at recess. Like, maybe she should stay inside during recess or whatever. But little did my mom know that I was coughing on demand for what? my <laughs> popularity, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, part of my personality, I would describe as like, like split between being like very introverted. I'm, I'm shy. Yeah. Don't look at me. And then there's the other part. It's just like I'm in Hello. a car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like give me all your attention and <laughs> all these discrepant. <laughs> destructive ways so um the, i was in grade two and there was like this group of grade six people who whoa were like, that's four grades above yeah, do not talk above. to them don't even look at them they were like you're so cute your cough is so oh, cute and i God. remember this one guy what was his I think name? his name was Adam. Oh, my God. That's hair. so not as hot. Let's let's call him Troy. Okay, so Troy oh. was like, oh, my God, your cough is so funny. You're so cute. Oh, my God. And he's basically like Hitting a full-grown man. Yeah. Like, grade six. He probably had, like, a nipple hair. Maybe. <laughs> so I was, like, obsessed. Like, I've always been so boy crazy, even, like, in grade two. Like, had a long list of crushes. Anyway, um, so I was just like, yeah, I'll cough for you. Like, let me cough. So I would cough and cough, and like, whoop, like, whoop, and, like, it sound like this seal. But then it would get so bad that I, like, like I didn't have control. Oh, my like, God, I you'd actually breathe. be like, uh, Adam. 
<laughs> was Adam like, my dad's a doctor, you have whooping cough? <laughs> So, Did you give Adam whooping cough from whooping I don't in his think face? it's contagious at that phase, but like oh literally not god. cute. Like what the fuck? Like why am I coughing? Oh my god. For- <laughs> so wait, so then you were coughing for attention from yeah. Adam slash you actually had whooping cough. Yeah. So it was like when the when the teachers were like, We think your daughter has whooping cough in your head, you're like, No, I don't, I'm doing this for attention, <laughs> but really there was pertussis in your mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just like coughing more than I needed to. Okay, wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cute cool. look. Cute, cute look. look. Cute look. You know. Wait, um, what's your other story? Okay, my other story is how You're I You're like, was... I had measles. Oh, and I also had rubella. <laughs> okay, <laughs> really so... Really? Not bad cases, though, because I was vaccinated. We're like, we're trying to convince people. <laughs> yeah. The, I don't know how great, actually, my stories are at convincing people, because my next story is how I was an anti-vaxxer teen. Wait. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. All right. Here's the scene. It's grade 11, maybe grade 12, so 2004, 2005. A lot of arcade fire. Oh, my God. I I once did, in English class, it was like, you need to bring in a poem (laughs) that, like, we're going to, like, dissect. So everyone was bringing in, I don't even know, place poet's name here. I never loved English. I'm like, explain to me why. William Blake. Yeah, William Blake. I brought in arcade fire. Were you like, neon Bible. My body is a cage. (laughs) Yeah. Like literally, it was neighborhood number three. Like, and I was like, "This is about how hard." I was like, "It's so hard to grow up." You know, this is all about nostalgia and childhood and how growing up is so. I could just see my teacher being like, "You're in grade eleven. Like, don't talk to me about growing up." Like, I literally was like, "And now that I'm old and facing death, I find neighborhood number three to be cathartic about my youth." Do you find that like in high school and like? In my early 20s, I'm just like, oh, my God, like, I'm so much older now and my innocence is gone. And what, like, like when you're in high school? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, for sure. It's exactly. probably so insufferable to everyone. I know. And I was like, isn't that what, like, I was convinced that's what Arcade Fire was about. And I'm like, did adults even listen to Arcade Fire? <laughs> like, now I'm like, wait, were they all like, this is, like, childish? <laughs> Like, I'm like, I thought Arcade Fire was super cool for, like, the 30-somethings at the time. They were probably like, what is this, like, like, like literal children's music? Anyways, continue. Yes, Arcade Fire. Okay, yeah. I'm listening to Arcade Fire. My haircut is really short. I look like Harry Potter. Um, oh, my God, hot. And also around this time, like, a bunch of, like, public health officials and doctors and nurses were coming to our school telling us about this HPV vaccine that is now available in Canada. So the main HPV vaccine, so that's human papilloma virus is a uh, Gardasil and there's a couple others but at the time it was not free but um, they were encouraging that we still get it huh okay. it, how much did it cost you know I don't remember how much it cost but my mom and it was not so much it was like, yeah my mom's like cool you should get this like we'll it's an it. assembly or something like yeah what? Oh, okay something like that yeah. yeah or it was like in gym class because at the time they were only giving it to girls but now they are giving it to um men mm-hmm. um yeah men and women because everyone can get HPV. yeah 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 so um so the reason people uh were giving this is because hpv though like like okay also i've probably had hpv and you probably isn't have that like too. a joke like we all have hpv yeah lols. like 70 percent of canadians will have hpv at some point in their life and there's also like a bunch of different 
variants. It's not always yeah, simple. They're, they're so basically many. like yeah. warts, right? Yeah, I remember like my cell biology professor, like we spent a lot of time on HPV because at that time, it was around this time, I guess, a little bit after, like Arcade Fire was like still making hits and selling out the Sky Dome or whatever. <laughs> but we, yeah, there were so many strains of HPV. Like I think it was a really fascinating time for like learning about this yeah. they were like so and i think there was obviously like maybe researchers trying to think about more vaccines to cover more viruses like right. there's so many strains and only some lead to certain cancers some lead to cancers in men cancers yeah. in women so there's lots of different types even though we just say hpv right yeah right but they have found clear links that um for most people will just go away but in some cases it will lead to cancer so like uh cervix or vaginal cancer or penile cancer or like you can have it in your throat or in your anus so like basically all the places you can have sex. Ooh. 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 So, but, and then I remember this rumor that you could, like, you can catch it from sitting on a toilet seat. And I don't know where we got that from, but that's not really the case. It doesn't live on hard surfaces. Like, if you were Well, sharing... it lives on some hard surfaces. And not <laughs> but if you were, like, sharing a towel or sharing undergarments, perhaps. Yeah, okay, okay. Perhaps, perhaps. Okay, so this is coming to town. My mom's like, get it. My friends are like, cool, get it. Get it. The teacher's <laughs> oh like, God. good idea, get it. And like, I'm like at my peak self-righteousness. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So like, oh my God. <laughs> I am. An anti-vax. <laughs> <laughs> Say like, it with me, folks. An anti-vax. <laughs> I'm just like, this vaccine has been out for a second. We do not know the effects of this <laughs> vaccine. We don't know. And like, you know, you're at the age where you're just like, you're like, I know what's happening in the world. I The, the veil has been lifted and I see the corruption. Oh my God. I literally used to subscribe to a magazine called, um, oh, I was going to say no logo, but it wasn't, it was like a, it a was Naomi like, Klein. It was Naomi Klein as a magazine. I forgot what it was called. It was like everything. It was like like F corporations yeah. and they sold shoes made out of tires like recycled right. tires that were like the converse white circle but without the brand so it was like it was almost like white out like someone had put white out as a circle to be Cute. like to be like yeah I don't care about brands and this is made out of tires and I bought them they came I literally was like limping because it was like they were so poorly made for my feet right. and I was just going around being like yeah, oh, that's interesting. You have Nike shoes on. Wow. I hope you like know where that came from. In the Bangladeshi factory, people died. Mine's made out of tires. No sweatshop. Anyways, so that's my point. Is that yeah. I was I was like I was, that. Yeah, I was in that same. You weren't anti-vaxxer. Like you were. You were thinking you were like f the institutions. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. And I'm just I'm trying like, to defend you a little bit. Thank you, but no. And the same way, I can see like. I feel like there is a part of me that is distrustful of sometimes institutions. And I can see how that appeals to um, a certain group of people. Absolutely. So that's where I'm at. I did no research. I did not look to see how many years of trials they had done. Did you ever get the HPV vaccine? No. Wait, you don't have the HPV vaccine? I don't have it. Because then I wasn't thinking about it. Can't you get it now? Yeah, I probably should. Wait, so you fully are an (laughs) anti-vaxxer. Wait, so you didn't, wait, was, sorry, I'm so sorry, did I just, like, end your, was there more to that story? I thought you were going to be like, and then I had it turning around and got the HPV test. No, it's just that I was an anti-vaxxer, <laughs> and I'm curious that I still am. I know, because I'm like, the way you defend yourself is you're like, and then I grew up and got my HPV vaccine. No, I didn't. I never, I didn't even think about it. Well, I also, ignorant, I didn't get an HPV vaccine, because so I was like, I can't, I'm gay, and you're like, you can get it in your anus, so here we are. I yeah. should have my HPV, we're both anti-vaxxers. Yeah, Ooh, okay, we're, <laughs> I'm pro, like, it's a very, very safe vaccine. 
Okay, it has been tested for so like so many people. Like I have like numbers of like yeah. Let's do that. Let's okay. do that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, go yeah, to the yeah, like yeah, it, yeah, works. Yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah. It works. Okay. <laughs> also, like to start, cervical cancer worldwide kills two hundred thousand people. Okay, right? A year. Probably. Uh, we should yeah. look into that. Side note here. Boom. <laughs> I stated that 200,000 people die from cervical cancer, but the number, according to the National Institute of Health, is closer to 300,000 annually. And every year in the United States, HPV causes 33,700 cancers in men and women and gender nonconforming folks. HPV vaccination, however, can prevent almost all of them from ever developing. The CDC recommends that all kids who are 11 or 12 should get two shots of the HPV vaccine. Get the first one and then wait 6 to 12 months and get the second one. And I would like to tell my high school self that this vaccine is very, very safe and very rigorously tested. A review paper on the clinical trials of the vaccine found that all trials, trials plural, were very large, were talking upwards to 18,000 per trial, and was each blinded, randomized, and controlled. Trials took place in multiple sites across Europe, North, Central, and South America, and Asia, and Australia for a length of four years. Of course, this vaccine isn't for everyone. You shouldn't take it if you are under the age of nine, or if you are pregnant, or have a severe allergy to yeast. And like all medicine, there is a chance for side effects, such as soreness in your arm, headache, or mild fever. And one in a million may experience more severe reactions, but those symptoms would present within a few minutes to few hours after the vaccination. Overall, it is an extremely safe vaccine with life-saving potential. If you are under the age of 26 and you haven't gotten the vaccine, you can still do so. Okay, so right now, I'm very pro everyone getting the HPV vaccine. It can help like with a preventable potential cancer. So it's a really, really good idea. It's proven to be quite safe. Um, Lol, that's what the point of that story was. And the point <laughs> if you're no, we're trying to get in the minds of people who are anti vaxxers, we get it. We've all been self righteous. That was shady. Wow. Okay. <laughs> like, I... Yeah, we don't know how to end this other than I can talk about my stories. Yeah, please tell me yours. My story. stories are so not as interesting in that like I'm not an anti <laughs> Didn't have an anti-vaxxer phase. I didn't have whooping cough. <laughs> but the only thing I was thinking about was um, chicken pox because oh. that there's a chicken pox vaccine now. And we're both old enough, I think, that we weren't – we would not have gotten the chicken pox vaccine. No. We would have just gotten chicken pox. Right. And I remember just, like, so vividly, like, that feeling of just, like, being, like – Having a really weird disease where your body's covered in these itchy little scabs, but your parents and everyone around you is like, oh, you have chicken pox. Like, no one's really overreacting. I'm no. like, if this was any other situation, I'd be like, okay, mom, dad, like, am I dying? Right. And I remember just that feeling of, like, don't itch and just, like, these, like, weird things on your body where you're just like, I'm like, it's just like a horrifying thing that your kids have to go through. Yeah. And I was in... I got it from someone named PJ, hot. I think that's a hot name. Cute. 
Uh, yeah, it's a cute name. I guess it just means pajamas. But, um... <laughs> what does PJ stand for? Pajamas. Oh. Peter George. Yeah, probably like Jeffrey. Paul John. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but my sister, when she had chicken pox, because I was sort of like, Mom, did you, like, you know, you were saying chicken pox parties. Like, I yeah. know my parents were definitely into vaccines. I, like, that's kind of like, you're like. Yeah, my parents were too. I don't know where <laughs> I got this from. <laughs> I know. I, like, love, I remember getting, like, the, like, bumped up vaccine in like grade nine then was like so excited. I love the idea of like leaving class like get a needle like in the gym I'm like this seems like dangerous yeah 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 and just thinking like I don't really actually remember knowing what it was for I was just like we get a free needle okay. cool can I ask you a question that is a side tangent getting needles in gym but when I was a kid I remember they took our fingerprints did that happen to you oh my god I think that that did happen to me yeah what does that mean I don't know Anyway. Well, I just gave away way more information on 23andMe, so it's like, I don't really, <laughs> like, I, like, I'm like, okay, like, we'll get into, like, yeah, like, like, F the big state or whatever, Rachel, you still got that in you, but, like, yeah, like, I would love to get on board and be like, wow, that's a conspiracy theory, they're gonna, like, murder us all, but it's like, no, I did 23andMe. Um, Sorry, for interrupting. Oh, no, my sister, when she had chicken pox, my parents had a parent be like, I want my kid to get chicken pox, and brought all three of her kids over who had no chicken pox to my house to hang out with my sister and it worked and they all got chicken pox. Awesome. I know. I was like, boom, boom, boom. Like, control it. And I was like, that is so weird and it's a weird thing that people now don't have to do because there is a vaccine. Cool. And then the last thing I'm going to say before we move in on to our go off is about uh, the fact that I got shingles, which was (laughs) the adult version of (laughs) chicken pox. It's like the same virus and they, you are supposed to get it when you're really old because it usually has to do with your immune system being suppressed. Okay. But it was like the end of fourth year university and I was just like graduating university and I was like, I'm going off, just like smoking weed, partying, staying up late, had such a great end to my four years at Guelph University. And then I got shingles. Okay, I don't want to, I don't want to make you feel bad because, but you are getting a lot of these I'm elderly really, I have, people. I currently have gout. <laughs> I'm coming forward to say this on the pod. I thought for in the summer that maybe it was a <laughs> spider bite because there was fang marks on my foot right as it's inflamed. And then after like letting loose at Christmas right. and having some dark liquors with gluttonous meats, I also got some foot thing and then I had a steak this weekend. Now I have gout. So yes, I've had gout, got shingles at the ripe age of 19 <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Anyways, yeah, I got shingles and my doctor was like, have you, like, trying to figure out why I'd be immunosuppressed? And then I kind of just started talking about, like, the way I was partying and he was like, yeah, okay, that could maybe do it. So I got yeah. shingles from partying. Right. And then the last thing I would say is about the flu vaccine that when I got it this year, I was like, I don't get a sticker. Like, I just think they need to, like... I got are- one. And I remember being like, that's it. I got a a special Band-Aid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. But I was like, come on, like, public health handover. We're trying to get people to get flu vaccines. Like, there should be, like, a song or, like, a, like, good job. (laughs) That's what I wanted. That was so millennial of you. Where's your award? (laughs) No, I was like, you know, I gave a bit of my day. It didn't happen super fast. You have to wait 20 minutes sitting there in a room. That would be a great time for them to play a video being like, thank you from an epidemiological perspective for, you know, like, Creating a society that is better. I think you are totally right. We have to make uh, getting the flu shot. Because people who are like, they get all their vaccines, there's still some people who are like, I don't know about the flu shot. Like, it's still. Everyone says that. Like, all my friends. And I'm like, is that, do you think that's cool? Like, why do you think it's so cool? Like, 
Like, a lot of people say it to me as if they're like, I'm a, I don't get sick. Like, I'm stronger than the flu shot. I'm like, yeah, you're 30 and healthy, unlike me, I have gout. <laughs> but, like, you're 30 and healthy, but, like, that's not the reason. It's about helping people who right. are immunosuppressed. Yeah, absolutely. So whenever they give me that self-righteous, like, oh, I actually, like, never got sick. I'm like, ah, oh, uh, secretly, you're an asshole. Anyways, okay. Everyone Rebrand the flu shot. Rebrand the flu shot. In fact, everyone should, know what? Public healthcare professionals on the street pop out of nowhere, boom, in your arm. You got the flu shot. <laughs> no consent. No consent. When it comes to thinking about vaccines, it's extremely important to remember that not everyone is actually able to get vaccines. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Vaccinated. As I mentioned, some people may be dealing with immune systems that are weakened from something like a disease or maybe some sort of medication that they're having to take. And others, like the very old or the extremely young, may not have immune systems capable of fighting off infections on their own. But even though these specific people can't get vaccinated, vaccines still provide them with protection. It's in an indirect fashion, so they're not actually getting the needle, but by minimizing the people around them who can get affected. So if the people around them who can get vaccinated get vaccinated, it in turn limits their overall exposure to the disease. I am about to say the word community over and over. So this is commonly referred to as herd immunity or community immunity. And the more that people get vaccinated within a community, the harder it is for that virus to spread throughout that community. And once vaccination rates hit a particular level, so once enough people are vaccinated, this is known as the herd immunity threshold. This is what we want. We're like, bam. And therefore, it becomes impossible for an outbreak to now occur. A highly contagious disease demands a high herd immunity threshold. For example, measles. You need 95% of a community to be vaccinated in order to prevent a measles outbreak. On the other hand, something like the flu, a community can prevent an outbreak by just having only 45% of the population get vaccinated. In 2018, so last year, only 38% of adults in Canada got the flu vaccine. This is below the herd immunity threshold. So if you did not get the flu vaccine last year, you were putting those in your community at danger. In the United States, flu vaccination coverage dropped to 37% last year, the lowest level seen since the last seven flu seasons. Something like the measles, which has such a high herd immunity threshold at 95%, we cannot afford to have people opting out of getting that vaccine. 
If you're a healthy individual, you need to get vaccinated for other people. If you're a healthy individual and you feel like you can afford to not get the flu vaccine, for example, because you feel like you're pretty healthy yourself, don't do it for yourself. Do it for those around you. Do it for your community. Thank you so much for listening to this here pod, this little pod that could side note podcast right now. What we would ask you to do is press those three dots on your phone. If it's an iPhone, I don't know how Androids work and share this podcast with someone who likes pop culture, who likes science, who likes debate. Okay, could be a friend, could be a family, could be an enemy. Share it with them. That would help this a lot. And we'll get back into the show. So in this debate slash go off section, we are going to be talking about vaccines, anti-vaxxers, what actually medical professionals say you should call vaccine hesitant people. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are not, although Rachel did dabble in some anti-vaxxing notions in her life. She no longer is. So we're not really going to debate. But one thing we are going to be talking about that is a bit of a debate that we are really curious about your opinions on and we want you to listen and help us with is how do we approach the anti-vax movement to actually create positive change, aka get people vaccinated without alienating people? Because right. sometimes this is a debate that we don't realize we're doing more damage than we actually are because of the way that we are addressing it. So to start, I am going to talk about what is going on right now, which is the issues around public health and the fact that vaccines are Vaccinating your kids has become something that is a debate and it has decreased and therefore measles is literally back. I do stand up and have this joke. It's like, you know, like growing up, I'd be like, like, it's hard to be a kid now because growing up, I'd be like, oh, Jessica, I'm like so scared. She has cooties. But now kids are like, oh, Jessica, like has measles. (laughs) Like that's like the concern that kids have now. So the vaccine since the year 2000, medical professionals think the MMR measles vaccine has prevented 21 million deaths. So that is how effective, like, this vaccine... That's only since the year 2000. So that's in the last, like, 18 and a bit years. Yeah. So measles is back in America, even though it was eradicated in the year 2000. So there was a Disneyland um, incident, I think, that a lot of people might have heard about in 2015. Where kids, because their parents had actually chosen for them to not be vaccinated, the measles outbreak happened at Disneyland, is where they traced it back to... Um, it, it's, it's so highly contagious and it's an airborne disease. So you can get it from coughing, from sneezing. So Disneyland, where there's kids, is a very, it's like so sad, but it's like a very, it's like an epicenter of where something like this could happen. And it's exactly right. And people come from all over the world, all over the world. And that's what happened is that these outbreaks, they, they were able to trace it back to Disneyland, but they all went home to their separate places and had to be quarantined. And it was awful. And when they actually looked, it was about 50 percent of the people who got these cases of measles were not vaccinated for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it was anti-vaccination. Sometimes it was because they were immunosuppressed. And some of them were adults who hadn't been vaccinated for whatever reason. They didn't necessarily know. Um, In Washington right now, in 2019, there's 72 confirmed cases of measles. So there's a current outbreak in Washington. Polio is something that uh, obviously is a horrible, horrible debilitating disease that our parents would have 
had to experience yeah. seeing and our grandparents for sure. That vaccine, when it came out, people were like lining up. It was a huge deal because it was like, this is a literal thing that we can get to prevent this happening in our kids. It's like kind of insane. Uh, in 1988, there were 350,000 cases of polio. And in the year 2018, there was 33. So it's like, it's just vaccines are effective. We just wanted to start by saying, when you look at it from a like scientific, epidemiological perspective, there is no argument that this isn't the best and most amazing form of medicine that we have created for ourselves as homo sapiens to survive these, in many cases, simple diseases to cure. So I just want to make sure that we get that out there before we start talking about how we actually deal with this, because we need to know that as people who are making a podcast about science communication is literally about communicating that message. There's right. n- there's no debate here. There really is not a debate. There's right. no toxic chemicals. It doesn't cause autism. And that is, as we've talked about before, from one specific study that came out and Andrew Wakefield, oh my God, like I'm wondering like how he feels, but he made the link between autism and vaccines. It is 100% false, right. completely been debunked. Right. And as we said, a new very current paper came out 650,000 kids were studied there was no link over a period of time there's no point in even bringing that study up no yeah so i know you wanted to talk about i did but also that like the month of january had five times more cases of measles worldwide than uh last year and also wait what this past january yeah this, this january 2019 2019 there has been in 2019 so far not including march uh, 74,000 plus cases of measles. What? Yeah. In the world? In the world. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. I guess I was mostly just looking at American stats. Right. And right. that's where there's a lot more that vaccination. Is, that than... is, yeah, there's a lot more vaccination. And also, like, if we look at Canada as a case study, like, a hundred years ago, everyone would get measles. And then a lot of people would die from it. But then as, um, you know, Canada became more wealthy and health and nutrition improved in general... Less people, everyone would still get measles, but less people would die from it because okay. they're like uh, their immune system yeah, is a yeah, bit they're stronger. Like they're but having then, oranges. Yeah. yeah. But then when the vaccine came around, like no one's dying from it. Like yeah. the numbers are so, so small because of herd immunity. Everyone's being protected. So, um, yeah. So, in some, like a lot of these uh, cases are happening outside of North America, but there's been a huge uptick, especially in Europe. So. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. It's so scary. It's so scary. Yeah. Seventy-two children and adults in the in uh, Europe died in 2018 from measles. Oh, died. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. And it, yeah. And I've just seen here on your thing too. It's like it is the top one of the top ten threats of global health yeah. for this year, right? Because it is really back. Yes. Okay. Okay. So I think we've discussed. It's bad. It's bad. It's back. Anti-vaccination or vaccine hesitancy is becoming a big issue. Yes. So now do we want to get into talking about... Let's do it. Okay. Okay. So I recently have started to make jokes about this in my stand-up. Okay. About... And I, the joke is quite harsh, and people laugh really hard. It's like making fun. I say something really bad. I'm like, from an epidemiological perspective, after making a bunch of jokes about like kids and vaccines and how they're back and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I'm an epidemiological study. Like if you have friends who aren't going to vaccinate their kids, like you should kill them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like before they kill your kids, like that's kind of like a joke. Everyone laughs. It's mm. like, it, to me, it just seems so absurd to right. ever have this opinion. 
But now that I'm even making those jokes and they're working, I'm like, wait, do I want to be saying this? Because it's like, how do we actually not alienate these people? Because they are just trying to do what they think is right for their kids. Right. So I would like to ask you, what would you say? What would you do? Okay, so that kind of brings up a good point of like the backfire effect. So they did this study, and they um, they took they gave two false articles. One was saying it was in regards to um, weapons of mass destruction, and um, there was one false article that was just like, yeah, they found all these weapons in this place, and then the other ones like there was never any weapons there. And so then people obviously, um, when if you had a more right leaning thing, you were like more like you felt more anger about the one being like you lined up with the idea the weapons of mass destruction being there as a big deal. And if you were more left leaning, um, you felt the other way. Right. But then they showed a correction that said um, just like, oh, this actually was found to not be true hmm. within the report. And then what you would think people would be like, oh, it's corrected. Like, OK, that changes what I think about it. But instead, what it does is has people double down. They get more that. mad. They get more mad and they're more adamant that, OK, there absolutely was weapons of mass destruction. Because yeah. now it's almost like that conspiracy theory yeah. mindset where it's yeah. like, oh, OK, now you're like actually like lying to me or whatever like yeah. like almost maybe feeling like duped yeah absolutely thought duped was a problematic term google it it's not it's the way french used to call a dumb looking duck so unless oh. you're in like a duck community that might be offensive but you can say duped um so yeah like maybe there's anger or hostility to feeling duped yeah. or like you know that feeling when you Actually, I can relate to that feeling when you've said something, you get caught in a lie. I, for example, everything I say is a 10% exaggeration. So, Oh, absolutely. Like, Me too. Yeah. Take 10% off of any statement I've ever said. <laughs> How many subscribers do we have right now? 9 million. We have 8.7 or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Probably. Yeah, but it's basically 9 million. Yeah. So um, getting caught in those exaggerations sometimes really embarrasses me. And it's, mm-hmm. like, it's like that feeling where you get, you know you're wrong it doesn't now cause me to double down because I've, like, had to deal with this a lot. I'm sort of like, Greg, like, being vulnerable. It's, like, a good thing, so I won't. But, yeah, in the past, it's, like, getting caught in a lie. Sometimes you just start lying double time. You yeah. start panicking because you feel attacked or something. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's maybe what is happening. Like, you've made the decision to not vaccinate your kids. Yeah. In this moment, I'm like, if you've made that decision and your kid's now past those ages, you might be like, well, it's actually to defend my maybe potentially wrong decision. I'm going to go ham on this Pinterest board yeah. and make it so that other people like, I don't know. It might drive you a little crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I'm yeah. trying to empathize. And also, that's the other thing is like, it's your kids. Like you care. Like I emphasize that you care so deeply about stuff and that also our brains pay more attention to um uh, false negatives. Yeah, because they can... Oh, false negatives. False Sorry. Po- okay, whoa, 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 what is it? Um, okay. I was just going to say that our brains pay more attention to anything that's, like, catchy and eat, and a lot of the time false True. information, you can make it whatever you want. Science isn't necessarily catchy, but right. I, I guess I don't... Right, but, like, um, I guess the example would be, like, um, uh, one of our uh, co-workers, Matt, was doing some research on conspiracy theories, and he explained it to me really clearly that, like, if you are walking in the woods and you mistake a stick for a snake. Oh, that's like really embarrassing, but you're safe. But if you look at a snake and you think it's a stick, then you're at risk of dying right yeah, now. Yeah. So like we can like say like this information, like if there's a chance that autism gotcha. or you can get really sick from a vaccine. That's scarier than the preventative nature of vaccines. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. Like you're you're actively doing something in your head to your child, like giving yeah. them a needle that might damage them, whereas not doing anything can seem easier yeah. if you're not realizing the extreme risk that that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we are like as science communicators, which I think it is really important and up to us to become part of this, like explaining how we make this public health concern. When you listen to epidemiologists and scientists talk about this particular issue, it's some of the few times that you actually hear people talk about science communication in the public. Because they're like, wait, this is fully has to do with like what our job is and what jobs as scientists is, which is to like communicate their research to people. And it's true. Prevent prevention is always going to be the biggest bane of the of existence when it comes to science knowledge right like you're thinking about it with plastic climate change i'm thinking about it all the time a lot of the time science goes against the sexy nature of life of enjoying things of getting the dopamine rush it's like yeah okay we're gonna prevent like the issue with plastic in the oceans then you were gonna have to stop using plastic that is challenging. If right. we're going to have to prevent climate change, we're going to have to stop doing so many of the things so that many we've things. been allowed to do our whole lives. If we're going to prevent this like vaccination type thing, it's like then it actually means you're going to have to actively give your kid a needle. You know right. what I mean? And sadly, maybe this is like not what needs to happen, but the fact that measles are back is what needs to happen maybe for these people to see the damage. And I think when researching this, one thing that became really important was the stories of people getting measles who weren't vaccinated. Like, that, yeah. those are so sad to read. When I was reading them, it immediately gave me that reaction. That is something that I think these parents need to read because I can't empathize with having a kid. But when I read those stories and, like, as a parent, I think I would know exactly if I, if I was vaccine hesitant. Those stories are more impactful than us just being like, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like, you're so stupid. Look, even in the past, look at all these polio, and now it's eradicated. Right. So, I don't know how do you highlight, like, depressing stories about people who have measles, no, that but... that brings up such a good point that stories are more important to people um, than stats. So, yeah. there's a uh, paper... Uh, called Evidence-Based Strategies to Combat Scientific Misinformation. And it was in Nature magazine. And the it's talking about all scientific informa- misinformation, but the focus is for this one on climate change. But I think there's four key takeaways, and I think it really can apply as well to vaccines. So uh-huh. the first one kind of goes in on what you're talking about is like how we receive science information is more or less coming from culture and cultural cognition, from our peers, from our families. And also, like, we're pulling things that match our pre-existing values Especially science. I love thinking when I'm hanging out, like, drinking or, like, wow, drinking. I've got never drinking again. Hanging out with my friends. Whenever they do pull in science info to talk to me about it is, I always clock it. Because I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, where'd you get that? Like, yeah. Usually it's something like that, something probably a catchy title from some magazine that fit their narrative. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's the idea that you can inoculate the public against misinformation. And inoculate's fun because, like, it takes that vaccine analogy where you're putting a bit of the, like, virus into a person to make them healthier against it. So if you're telling people the misinformation, just like, yeah, there was that study about – Autism. Autism. And so many people have proven it wrong. Like if they hear that from uh, a friend or a peer beforehand, instead of getting that information now from like an anti-vaxxer campaign, they're like they can recognize that. So that's it's a literally threat. Like beating them to the punch. Yeah. 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 Saying like this hmm. means you've been li- like 
I think your climate change video that you just put out about like how oil industries have lied to you is so effective because it's like, yeah, people have been lying to you. And this so is you need to motivation. know that so you can keep that like, OK, yeah. now this is the motivation to know that moving forward. You know the lie. Yeah, that's true. So that, but then that is about beating people to the misinformation, which is where like very tangibly Google and Facebook and Pinterest come in. I'm right. like, you need to literally from an algorithmic perspective, get rid of the misinformation either fully or moving it down in your algorithm and learn and make sure that your where we access information is ensuring that the correct, valuable scientific backed information is coming first, mm -hmm. which I think is like kind of scary because that's. I don't know. I don't think that they're necessarily doing that right now, obviously. I guess people can find it if they want to find it, but that's a smart thing. Hello, Google, or whoever you're listening to. That's something you could easily do. Right. Make it harder to get the information that's wrong. Right. Um, and so that also, like, that kind of plays into the second one, which is finding legal strategy. So, like, uh, there have been a bunch of filed lawsuits against fossil fuel companies like ExxonMobil yeah. that you were talking about. And those lawsuits, though really expensive and time consuming, they bring that media attention to the lie. So, like, for example, in Toronto recently, all these billboards went up that were just like anti-vaxxer billboards and then trying to find like who the what? company. Yeah, there was. Did you see those? Wait, there's there were people promoting not vaccinating your kids on billboards in Toronto. In Toronto. Yeah. Okay, that just seems... Okay, so, well, A, I think there should be a legal... Like, you shouldn't be able to do that. So what's the deal with these billboards anyway? Here's the story. In February, Torontonians were inundated with 50 billboards across the city that were, to put it lightly, raising concerns over just how safe vaccines actually are. According to Dr. Vanita Dubey, an associate medical officer with Toronto Public Health, these billboards were specifically designed to lure people in with half-truths in order to sow initial seeds of doubt within the minds of the observers. Plus, if you were to take a casual glance at these billboards, you wouldn't even be able to tell they were produced by a vaccine hesitancy group. But in fact, they were the brainchild of a non-profit organization called Vaccination Choice Canada, who, to be fair, are more partial to the label of Vaccine Risk Awareness Group. It isn't clear how the organization raised the funds for such an ambitious campaign. They appear to rely solely on donations, as well as membership fees and contributions. The backlash to the billboards was swift and absolute. Toronto councillor Joe Crezzi, who heads the city's Board of Health, called the billboards deeply disturbing. And Outfront Media, the company who owns the actual billboard space, confirmed that the billboards would be taken down. But overall, this whole ordeal does raise a lot of questions surrounding where to draw the line when it comes to messaging and content and ads on privately owned property. You know, the people who are now getting measles and the, who like bought into the anti-vax message or the vaccine hesitancy message, you know, they have just cause for a lawsuit. Yeah, that's true. Also, California, since that Disneyland thing, is trying to pass a law where everyone 
has to get vaccinated if they can. There are states that do that. That's another thing. It's like just being like, okay, yeah, you actually can't opt out of getting vaccinated. They're trying to figure it out now because in California, for example, where they want this law to pass, it's causing vaccine hesitant parents to say we are going to then therefore homeschool our kids. So they're like upset about that. And then now they're actually just trying to change the law to be like, okay, now homeschooling is going to mean something different and you're going to be allowed to homeschool your kids in groups, almost as if like the vaccine hesitant parents they are like, okay, yeah, you can get together and create mini homeschools in your house. But if you want your kid to go to school, they need to be vaccinated. And that's like, I'm like, I think, I honestly think that that's important. That you, you might just have to legally regulate it if these things start coming back. Right. Well, I, I, I do. Hmm, I don't know, because like I do think that like putting making something legal or, or like reprimanding people, not reprimanding, but enforcing anything and like enforcing them to like, yeah, like they said, yeah. they're, they're now creating homeschool groups. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're yeah. now even more disenfranchised with like. Yeah. The public community before and like who's to say that that group wouldn't Yeah, of course those grow. kids are gonna grow up to be vaccine hesitant and <laughs> they're they're gonna create like these mass you know like is that what yeah, you mean? Like yeah, they're that's gonna what I mean. feel like, more ostracized. Yeah, more oh, ostracized God. than but before. Like, yeah. And then I'm just like part is like, okay, well then you're in this group, you know, if you're creating less risk to the community you're in, but then I don't know, part of me is like I'm not sure that is the route to take. I'm not sure about it. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I don't know. You know what I mean? It might be a strategy, but I'm not sure about it. Yeah. No, I know. And I think that's like leading to me to like, because I feel like we need to end soon. And I'm just like, what? I'm like, how do we take away something tangible? Right. What do we do? Like, I'm like, okay, I think we need to make sure the people who have suffered through their kids having measles are out telling their stories to the public. Yeah. We need to make sure that, I mean, you've just said like stats are obviously are important. All the, like, ish, I guess. Like, Mm. people need to know that they are effective. They need to know that this study that came out is wrong. We need to make sure we're beating them with the correct information before they get the wrong information. Right. And then one thing I was also reading about from a medical perspective is that doctors actually have to, like, be trained to, like, look at the parent in the eye, nod along, not get angry, and sort of listen to whoever is anti-vax that's one thing they said listen to what they are saying and then genuinely going back like with the points that they're using in that specific argument to argue it yeah like we made a video about anti-vaxxers which we did say was very much for people who were pro-vaccine it was like it it was literally going through all the arguments that they have and debunking them with science but the tone of the video was very it was making fun of them essentially Right. right And it seems like it's good because you need to be armed with the actual information, but maybe it doesn't go so far if you're not really, really empathetic, really listening, being like, I know that you love your kid, but you're genuinely putting it in danger. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, if we had like in terms of like the inoculation stuff, if we had that created that video without poking fun at those stereotypes that we think when we think of an anti-vaxxer parent, you know, maybe putting that information out there can be really helpful because then someone can share it with um, their peers. Because, like, I think, do you know anyone who's vaccine hesitant? I definitely see it on my Facebook. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I've never spoken to anyone who was vaccine hesitant, except my friends do talk about not getting the flu virus. And I just like roast them. I'm just like, okay. But that's the like, I mean, I think that is vaccine hesitant in a way, but not in the way of like a parent not going to vaccinate their kids. That would 
really mess me up and like having to listen and be empathetic would be really hard I honestly could see myself being like I need to get out of this conversation like wow that person's whack you know what I mean like I would jump to that but I have not and the thing you said about the doctor makes so much sense like sometimes I'm nervous even going to the doctor I'm like is my is my what I'm talking about even like valuable like uh, should I even be worried about this thing in the first place and then if someone were to be dismissive of me then I'm like I don't even think I'm gonna go to the doctor yeah it creates that fear that that distrust Mm -hmm. in medicine and that ugh, being a doctor is so important to have like people skills. It's, yeah, and it's a lot of pressure. And there is evidence to suggest that like the concerns of women are taken with less seriousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than, it's like, all it's rife. That's the thing. All of them, everything is rife with nuance and size. Yeah. Vaccines aren't, and it's actually creating even a damage within that we have to wrap this up, but it, within the science community because. I've, what I was reading is that there are people, like scientists, who will genuinely be like, oh, this flu vaccine actually isn't working that well for people who are above 75. We actually need to get science rolling and do more research to make this vaccine better. But they're too afraid to publish their research because they know that anti-vaxxers are going to take it and roll with it in a completely, like, like over-the-top way. Yeah. So it's actually, like, halting scientific progress in some ways because – now we're too scared to even like, you know, talk about the nuances of vaccine or talk about right. the nuances of like what it feels like to distrust your doctor. Yeah. and how. To, so it's like it's not helping anyone. No. And I think there's like it's I get it. Like if I if I was a doctor and I had like some interesting research about how a vaccine wasn't as effective as I thought, you'd be like, oh, my God, like I, I know what this is just going to give ammunition to. Right. So it's just in my opinion, all of this is very scary. I cannot even think about the concept of having a child and not vaccinating them. I can imagine how frustrating it would be to hear someone say they're not going to vaccinate their kid. And my suggestion is that you listen, you put on the most empathetic hat that you have. You don't get mad. You make fun of them later with a catharsis with your partner or with Mm -hmm. your friends. But I guess I don't even need to say that. Like now, but like <laughs> you roast them behind don't their worry, back. Don't worry, I'm roasting you later. Yeah, but then you really go back with the genuine information, the stuff that comes from I don't know, like the government, the like peer-reviewed articles. You can go on our channel to find information. Yeah. You can find this information easily, and you like debunk the specific arguments that they have because they are going to be wrong. But you need to be nice and you need to listen. And we can't just make fun of them and tell them to die, which is what I say in my comedies. Uh, I should probably change that. (laughs) What do you think? What's your last final sort of like if you were to try and figure out how to approach this the best? My last final thing I would say, and I think it is more difficult with uh, vaccines and say something with climate change, where the um, denying climate change has such a monetary value because so much of uh, industry is wrapped up in denying climate change, right? But if I were to challenge a science communicator or even scientists or journalists, I would say, look at the money. Follow the money that's going on with this anti-vaccine movement and see who is benefiting from it. There are funders who are now topping over 100 million in donations to these kinds of movement. There are people who are profiting off of anti-vaccination? Absolutely. Why? How? For their own personal gain. Huh. There, like, For example, there is, um, is a, the movement is really growing in France. There's a doctor huh. who has now um, been disbarred, but he has like hundreds of thousand Facebook followers. Like literally has like a speaker Henry, yeah. just like getting money from people yeah. being like, I will fight for this cause. Yeah, his huh. name's like Henry Joyeux. Uh So there are people who are benefiting 
from this. So we need to stop that. And we need to identify them and expose that. And then that can like, oh, interesting. Okay, because obviously all these movements take money. Someone pay for those billboards. Who are they? Get those billboards down. Yep. Okay. Well, we would love to know what you guys think. I think this is going to be something that we will be talking about through all of 2019 because it's one of the biggest concerns to global health. (laughs) Just remember that. And so use the hashtag side note podcast to talk to us about what you think. Give us advice because we actually need it because we are always like, how do we make videos that people are going to actually watch and are actually going to make a difference about this vaccine movement? We are in the position that we need to do something and that's our job. So we need help. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Wait, before we go, okay, if you love this show, then you should check out Canada Land. It's a podcast that we love here at ASAP Science. So it's a podcast about news, media, and politics. Canada Land actually comes out twice a week. They work hard, and it dives deep into the biggest stories in our country. So you'll hear some of Canada's smartest voices explain how stories come together in a way that's very clear, very funny, and actually extremely informative. So you can find Canada Land wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.